Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash sorgatronmedia. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, iPhone, or MP3 player. I'm getting awesome, you're getting awesome, we're getting awesome, yeah, that's what I said now. I'm getting awesome, you're getting awesome, we're getting awesome, yeah, that's what I said. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Awesome Cast Episode 5. We're glad you joined us. Welcome to the, the podcast where we talk about the tech and media stuff that we think's awesome, and we have really awesome guests. And of course, my co-host is here, Rob. How you doing today? We got you on video in old timey fashion with the black and white, though. Old timey. If I had known, I would have prepared and worn my ascot, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, our guest today is AJ Kofnick. Kofnick, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Kofnick. I don't know. I don't know how to spell your name. So. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you, you got it right, ball. you got it right. There you go. You're an IT professional here and in the social media scene, of course, uh, all around good guy. And uh, you got an iPhone. I do. I do have an iPhone. And uh, we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But first, let's get into all the news that entertains us, at least. Um, now, AJ, this is one that you dropped to me uh, yesterday. <coughs> Windows 8 plans leak. Numerous details revealed. Now, uh, now you, you've already looked into this a good bit. What's going on with that? Pretty much what Microsoft is doing uh, is they have realized that Apple has beaten them at their own game. <laughs> um, so they have gone forward and uh, they're basically tweaking Windows 7 into a newer version of an operating system, but they're not focusing on your standard... Um, your standard, you're not, you're not talking about your standard GUI. You're talking about laptops, slates, tablets, and, and really focusing on that and focusing on ways that you can help the consumer. In fact, the first slide that is in that presentation is a, um, it's, it's basically breaking down Apple's model and how they go about getting the consumer to take the carrot, eat the blue pill and go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and it's rather interesting that Microsoft literally calls out Apple and says, this is how to do it um, versus saying, hey, we're Microsoft. Screw it. Um, so I'm really I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with Windows 8. And looking at the pictures here on their site, uh, there's actually even mock ups of what look like uh, uh, iMac ish Windows 8 machines um, and even an app store. That's been kind yeah. of a buzz. Um, and, and I really, a part of me is concerned with this, but mm -hmm. part of me is actually kind of happy. Um, what they're doing is they're building an, a Windows application store, very similar to the way the iPhone has an app store. So you would go online, and I want to download um, Microsoft Word. You go in the app store, you click buy app, and it downloads Microsoft Word. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm hoping that it's optional and not mandatory that you get your applications through the app store. Um, one of the things that, and I kind of didn't really get into this last night when I was talking to you, but they, they show a reset and I'm going to use that term in air quotes there, a reset where, Hey, my computer's running kind of slow. I hit the reset button. It's you have the option of blowing everything away back to a factory image or bringing bringing it back to a factory image, but keeping all of your stuff. Oh wow! And then it'll go out to the app store and pull all of the applications that you've already downloaded from it and restore those applications to your machine. So I, I see benefits to it. I see distinct disadvantages to it. Mm -hmm. Um. But I, this kind of goes back to the iPhone versus Android, where the iPhone is a curated app store, or you go on a website, versus Android, which allows you to side install things that aren't approved by Google, and Google doesn't really care because it's your phone. If you blow it up, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it kind of goes to this power user versus normal user mantra. And I think Microsoft is kind of saying, hey, Apple showed that you can put normal users into these sorts of things and not have to worry about 
placating the power users. They're just going to go with it. So I, I'm really interested to see what they do with Windows 8. Yeah, um, and, and of course, this kind of goes along with there's a lot of rumors saying that this iOS 4 that we've been seeing uh, across all of Apple's devices is going to turn into an iOS 4 like on our Macs, our MacBooks and everything. Um, and this, this whole this whole ride, rise of the, the App Store across everything. Um, so I, I can't see Windows going strictly the app route unless, you know, maybe for specific devices like for netbooks or something. But I can't see because, I mean, what, you know, I, I, it wasn't Bomber on there uh, talking about uh, how their openness is why they've been so, so big. Yeah, they they push it as in one of the slides that's actually in there. They push how the developers are going to fit into it. Like you have 70 million plus, and I'm sure that number is completely wrong, but you have a base of developers that build applications like, oh, hey, here's a crappy little utility that I developed that cleans out all of uh, your cookies. Or you have uh, an application that is like a notepad, but with some added features. Those sorts of developers, and then you have your student developers, and you have your education developers, and they're trying to figure out a way to get them all to kind of coexist in not just in the general Windows sense, but also to have the, the app store kind of be a, a, a easy way for these guys to get paid because they saw they're seeing how much the iPhone developers are making by just making little mini games and coming up with ways to get their content that normally would work on a desktop or on a website onto the iPhone and getting it into the hands of the users. And I think it's kind of twisting from the, okay, developers, you do whatever it is that you want to do, but we want to make sure that it gets into the hands of the consumers somehow. Now it's kind of saying Microsoft wants to go out and say, we put it on the store. It is a guaranteed good product. You're not going to get viruses. You're not going to get spyware. We have cleared it. There won't be any back doors. I, I think this is a solid way for Microsoft to kind of get back in the game because they've kind of been kicked while they're down with Linux and mm -hmm. Apple and various other operating systems coming in and kind of taking their thunder because nobody talks about Windows. Nobody goes and says, oh, hey, did you see the new version of Windows that came out? Right. No, no, I didn't. Didn't really for, get bothered by it. So For those that want to follow along, of course, uh, we have a link to the Microsoft Kitchen article with all the slides over at delicious.com slash awesomecast. Uh, now, look at this. Like, I, I can't imagine this working. Well, one, if it's, they're going through, you know, such an approval process, uh, I can see a, a few big hurdles right off the bat. You know, again, what everybody talks about, you know, the, uh, the, the PC's problem is there's too many configurations. So uh, it's hard for them to put a guarantee on that, I think. And then just, just the, the, the mass of applications that, that go on Windows machines as it is, you know, I mean, as many as go through the uh, the Apple Store for our for our little deals here, um, can you imagine what the flow would be for them? Well, I, I think you could jump in and get a good feel for how many applications are out there that are real applications. And when I say real applications, I mean Word, PowerPoint, Excel, mm -hmm. Access. Um, Mozilla Firefox, Google Chrome, um, iTunes. If you want to make sure that your product stands out as a genuine, non-spyware-laden, non-virus-laden application, as a developer, I want in that. Mm -hmm. Because then I can say, go to the Microsoft App Store, download my application. You know, number one, you're getting paid. Number two, you know that the user is going to feel comfortable downloading it versus, oh, go to download.com and get it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only guarantee so much from download.com. You can only guarantee so much from a website on the Internet versus Microsoft putting their seal of approval on it and testing it and making sure it doesn't crash. It's almost like giving these small-time developers a small QA department. Um, I know the influx would be big, but you could imagine Microsoft would put more than a few people at it. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of um, a lot of the success you see in an app store comes down to what makes a lot of products very successful these days where people stop uh, focusing so hard on um, on technology and, and being as fancy as they can and more about being as simple and, and easy as they can, because the easier 
a piece of software or a system or a piece of hardware is to use, the more likely people are to use it, enjoy it, as well as throw money at it. And I think uh, just about every app store you can speak of today is a perfect example of that. I, I, I'm wondering how tough Microsoft is going to be, and I wonder how tough Microsoft is going to have, uh, how, if they're going to set a list of rules a la Apple, and how many are... Um, how many are actually going to be kicked out? What are they going to get kicked out for? I'm hoping that it's very similar to at least what uh, his Steveness says as you, you got kicked out because the um, you're getting kicked out because your application crashed or it didn't do what it says it does or it's using private APIs. But right. I don't see the third one there using private APIs as being a problem for Microsoft because they really don't care. But I, I, I hope that the process of getting approved means the um, means the PC it's means the PC isn't going to get destroyed by said application getting downloaded. Mm-hmm. That there isn't spyware, there isn't antivirus. And I hope I don't think it has anything to do with the hardware so much as it has everything to do with Microsoft making sure that what you're downloading isn't such a piece of crap. Yeah, and I think um, it's going to be more along the lines of the sort of uh, certification they rolled out when they started doing WHQL testing on drivers where they were basically saying, like, you know, we don't support necessarily anything but WHQL drivers. And if you have a problem with something other than WHQL drivers, we cannot guarantee that you won't have a crappy experience with that piece of hardware. And I, uh, I'd really what I'd like to see is them to apply, like, strictly that to software and like you said just be like you know you can trust our store and be as simple as that and and that's what i'm really hoping they do is they say this is our this is a piece of software there isn't any antivirus in it or there isn't any viruses in it there isn't any spyware in it it's just an application and it's going to do what it says it does and it's not it doesn't have any back doors in it i there should be a a, a at least some sort of code review to verify that there isn't any like, oh, hey, VNC server or, oh, hey, you know, remote control backdoor in the piece of software. Um, I think that would go a long way to people like my dad who could care less about what's what the code says in the background. They just care that they click a button that does what it does. Excellent. Now, that's not all going on uh, in the news, of course, uh, coming Coming out of a, a, a conference, I forget the name of it this weekend. Uh, Google Me is stepping up, and looks like Google's trying to get in the Facebook game. Uh, so, so what have you guys read about this? I, I'm actually new to it myself. I only heard a little bit of it from Kevin Rose on Twitter this week. Yeah, Kevin Rose's uh, announcement was kind of the big deal um, because he had actually he had a little bit too much wine one night. And he mentioned it on Twitter, and then he was immediately contacted by Google and said, you need to take this down, which um, unfortunately completely, almost entirely vets what he said, which was that uh, Google would be coming out with a, uh, a social media competitor to Facebook. And um, I've been talking to a lot of people about this, and the way I see it is that, I mean, we needed an alternative. The biggest problem was like, you know, when MySpace was terrible, we had Facebook to run to and Facebook finally blew up and became popular and, and your friends started going there. Then it became a place to run to. And now people are kind of moored on Facebook without a, a really viable alternative. But the problem is that Google, uh, <clears throat> as demonstrated with things like Wave and Buzz and even Gmail in its early days, they have a habit of rolling out software that is painfully designed by engineers in that, like, if you were one of the developers, I bet you can use the heck out of that software. But when it comes to usability and plain and simple design, it's just entirely above their heads. Just like, um, I forget what his name was, but there was a, a guy who wrote a, a pretty epic blog post about how why he left uh, Google as a designer because they wanted to test, like, 70 shades of the color blue mm-hmm. to see which one was best. They just completely missed the point on everything. With, with, with an algorithm but, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... um yeah, they wanted to test it with an algorithm, which exact is is like a, a key example of where they go wrong. You can't apply like that sort of math to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are in a they're certainly in a financial position to launch something very credible and very useful. 
They certainly have the manpower. They certainly have the brains. But it's a matter of them kind of changing uh, a fumbling that we've seen over and over again. And if they can knock this out of the park and create something that meshes together all of your social networks uh, in sort of a manner that Facebook does, but at the same time launch with a full consideration for your privacy, I uh, I think this could be a, a big player in the game of social media. I'd like to see what Buzz would have been had Buzz had the ability to update my other social networks. Like, if they, I wanted to be able to update my Facebook. I wanted to be able to update my Twitter. I want to be able to throw things to a blog I don't have. I, you know, these, these are the sorts of things that if Google put together a, so I guess a, the, the white stallion, the conglomeration of all of my social networks, that's what I want to see. But do they want to, you know, do they want to be just that kind of pass through point at that point? Or, uh, I think they would still get the, I think they would still have the ability to have their own community. But it, as, as we saw with Facebook in the beginning, it was Facebook and Facebook alone. Mm-hmm. And then they turned it into an application platform and you were able to put your Facebook stuff on Twitter and Twitter was able to update your Facebook. And I was able to send email through Facebook and I was able to, you know, post pictures on there and then link to them. And then I got my own Facebook address. And, it, you know, I think if Google started small as this is a community, but you can still update other places, they'd be all right. Literally, that's all they need to do is take Google Buzz and allow it to update other stuff mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be able to update you on the go. And that's the problem with Google Wave is that you would do something in Google Wave and then a bunch of other people would jump in and they'd all jump on top of it. And, but they would never come back. You wouldn't know about it until you manually signed in and saw it. Which That is the major problem. With it. Which they have changed recently. Now, now they do have notifications. Yeah, yeah, they do. But it took so long to roll it out. And that was like that one of the first day things. One. Yeah, that was one of the first things I noticed because I, I was in Wave and I'd like update something and then... And then I'd get like a Twitter message and somebody would be like, oh, did you see the wave? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, it didn't notify me. Oh, wait, it doesn't notify. Are you kidding me? It doesn't notify me when somebody tells me that there's something new in the wave. Like, that's just a, a plain oversight that's yeah, done yeah, by I'm not a gonna, company full of engineers. Th- there was no easy way to live in wave the way that apparently they did. I mean, I, and then Buzz is another example. Uh, it, you know, it seemed what it was talking to them. They everybody tested it internally, and were like, "Why wouldn't anybody not want this?" So they opened it up to everybody. Pretty much, almost required it in Gmail. Like I know you could you could just you know turn it off or not accept it, but it was just so right there in your face. And everybody was on it for a few days, and now I I, I checked in there every time. I I send my Google Reader stuff to it. And, you know, I have a nice applet that I throw up on my blog. But other than that, it's it's everybody's Twitter feeds, like, you know, four at a time and grouped together. It's it's not there's no reason for it. I I wish I would love to see that as to start as a social media hub. And then I get my Gmail in there. I get my Google voice in there. Make it Google me as it sounds should have my Google mail, my Google voice. It should have. Buzz, mm-hmm. Wave, it should start as my Google stuff because mm-hmm. Google's got a bazillion services. Yeah, that should be Google Me to start, and it should be able to update Twitter and, and Facebook already... and all these other social media sites, and then you could build the community out of that. Yeah. Uh, whereas, whereas uh, MySpace and Facebook, I don't know how many times with artists and wrestlers for other shows, you know, the only way to contact these people, even still sometimes today, is through MySpace mail, through the Facebook messages, you know, there were a, a social platform pers- first, and then p- people kind of started doing email on top of that platform, uh, where, where Google can definitely do your email first, and we can build everything on that, because there's your communication pr- platform right there off the bat, you know? And, and, and it's well-established. Mm-hmm. I got my account in 04, so I've had Gmail for six years. Yeah. So... People, there's a lot of people with Gmail. You don't have to have the invites or anything like that anymore. You have your communication functionality. Bam, right there. Now, give me a little bit more functionality on the outside and take all of my Google stuff and put it in one spot. And I think that's where you start 
And then you can start building in community features and uh, picture posting. Well, oh, wait, there's Picasa. Um, then you have, you know, message, you know, Google person to Google person messaging, whether it's through Gmail or whether it's through some sort of secondary system like a Facebook well, wall we already, post. We already have Gchat, at least for the for the messaging. I mean, I, I, I pretty much live on that. I have the Gmail up all day. People get a hold of me on there because if I have the Gmail up, I'm in. I'm okay to work mode. I'm okay to uh, associate mode, and uh, my AOLs fed through there now. Like we're getting those little bits like that. You know, we we experimented with the video chat to get Rob on last week here. So you know, a lot of those elements are there. It's just kind of it needs that extra step. It know? needs what it needs is it needs the extra what I would normally call the apple polish. It needs the. Mm-hmm put together in the fit and finish to make it really nice to use versus oh hey you can video chat in gmail you can video chat in google chat and you can send an email at gmail and you can put your pictures on picasa and you can do this like my account logs me into all of these things but there's no place to put them all yeah yeah and uh, who knows maybe we'll see a little bit of this when the uh, whole chrome os thing comes out since it's going to be built upon this you know pretty much this having google accounts everywhere it seems mm-hmm. so um, and also somebody who apparently is doing it right, uh, as far as the social side of things is Dig. Uh, they previewed their, uh, Dig 4 updates, uh, on Twit this week. Kevin Rose was on there. There's a video on here in our delicious links of uh, a little bit of a publisher preview to see what's going on there. Uh, so, uh, have you guys looked into this? What do you think of it so far? I, um, I got in on the, uh, the hour long beta that they had opened up during, uh, the show the other day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, it's something that I've kind of been, been wanting in, in, in a sort of strange way. I don't know. Cause basically, uh, the point that Kevin made about launching, uh, Dig 4 was that there are certain people you follow and you want to know, you know, the weird little details of their life. You want to know, like, say you want to follow Donald Trump and you want to know when he's buying a new wig. That's cool for you and that's something you're interested in. Um, but then there's people who want to know when Donald Trump is making big business moves or something like that. What he's interested in in the business specifically. Um, and what Dig4 has done is made it so you can follow people in the same sense that you follow people on Twitter and follow people on Tumblr and things like that. Um, but they've taken something that was kind of an underlying feature that wasn't really supported in dig, which was, uh, creating a feed of the people you follow and seeing what they're digging on dig.com with news and, uh, news articles and, and, uh, pieces of media they're interested in and bringing it to the top. So now when you log into, uh, the, the new dig four, which should launch in uh, about a month, I think you are presented with a list of people that like you can follow, you can look up your friends, things like that, just like signing up for Twitter. Uh, but then when you get to the main page, you're presented with a feed that isn't like the dig homepage, but it is a feed of all the articles that your friends have dug. Um, and so it creates a, an aggregation of, um, of links and websites that your friends are interested in, in, in a very simple, easy to, to manipulate and cultivate kind of way. Gee, that sounds like the, the friends on reader google reader or maybe what buzz was supposed to be to me a little bit maybe right i mean sort of it's um it's it's basically the same dig we knew before but just a rearranging of how they uh display the news because you know just because i mean the power of crowds and all that but just because you know 200,000 other people d- dug something doesn't mean it's the thing that i necessarily really want to see on the front page mm-hmm um i'm more interested in and like the industry people that i want to follow the the artists that i want to see what they're doing what they're up to who they're um and and the the things that they're interested most in and if i want those unique details those social details i go to twitter but if i want to see what they're reading and interacting with online i go to dig i I like the sound of this it really like i've tried to get on I have had the digger the dig button on my browser for a while i just don't find much reason to use it yeah. Uh, I, I mean, to, to me, you know, I'm a Google Reader user. I, I hit share and it's already out, you know, through one venue. You know, I, I, I don't know how to how to, you know, share it through through the Twitter and everything that I want to, uh, you know, so my my bubble sees it. You know what I mean? And it's, this seems like this seems like the answer to that. Instead of just digging it and it goes into the ether, um, it actually, you know, people. 
it goes somewhere. It feels like. Can I be? Right. Can I pretend to be a social media expert here and 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 coin a term? Sure. Crowd aggregation. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm now an expert. You can call me and I'll say that word to you. And at the next podcast, Pittsburgh League a session in crowd aggregation is a wow. me. We'll sign you up right now. Wow. Um, one of the other things that is a pretty big feature in Dig 4 is that each user now has a landing page. Instead of just having like a profile mm-hmm. um, that shows the most recent things you dug, like you, for instance, uh, with Sorgatron Media, you'll be given, uh, you know, your user account could be, you know, Sorg or Sorgatron or whatever, and people can go to dig.com slash Sorg, and you will automatically have a, have an aggregation of, you know, say you have your shows submitting to Dig, just automatically oh, yeah. spit a story up to Dig so people can dig it. Um, and you will have a list of all the podcasts and all the shows that you interact with. In. This is the part, this is the part that got me excited a little bit was, uh, that you can, you can subscribe pretty much as a publisher, I think, like, like, say if we put the awesome cast wrestling mayhem show on there, as soon as we post on and we, we, we put that we've posted, it puts it on there with one dig in the system for people to find right off yep. the bat. And then this is the big thing. If, uh, uh, people like, like say wired, you know, instead of putting that dig button on there and trying to get all their users to push that dig button to push them to the top, they're already in the system automatically when they hit publish. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. That, exactly. That, that's great from a content creator, creator's standpoint, like we are. So, yep. But, uh, all right. I think, uh, was there anything else news wise we wanted to make sure we covered before we get to our discussion? No, I, th- I think we're good. Then we'll be looking at registering uh, awesomecast.xxx in the near future, I see. Oh, oh, oh yes. Wow. Yes. Hey. So, oh, and awesomecast after hours. <laughs> and uh, awesomecast in um, in Chinese characters as well. Oh, yes, yes. We'll have to work on that. Yes. Um, I, know, I know I can get some Japanese translations from some friends, but I'm not sure about the Chinese. So I bet it sounds awesome in Mandarin. Real quick, real quick. <laughs> awesomecast. Real quick, before we get to the break, I think I think AJ, I think you you've tossed me this one. Hulu Plus was announced today. I've yes, already Hulu signed- Plus uh, is it's it's a very interesting idea, uh, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Um, Hulu normally the free. I'm going to go online and watch recent episodes of television uh, site uh, has come out or will be coming out with the iPhone, iPad, Android, or no, they did not announce support for Android. So it's iPhone, iPad, uh, and Xbox 360. PlayStation 3. PlayStation 3. And uh, I think Vizio and Sony has internet-enabled TVs, and there's a couple internet-enabled uh, Blu-ray players that are going to get it's this, too. Other set-top boxes and stuff they're working on. And, and some set-top boxes. But it's $10 a month, but you get more than what's currently on Hulu.com. So you, instead of getting like the last three episodes of The Office, you get the last three seasons of The Office. You can actually look this up. If you go to Hulu.com, they have a plus button in their bar at the top, like to the right. Uh, and it, get, it gives you a kind of a little bit of promotional rundown on us. Uh, you can go and request a preview. Uh, they have a free preview going on for limited, uh, signups. Um, yeah, it's already submitted. Already submitted. Hoping I get my code. Uh, basically, yeah, uh, current seasons. At least the ones participating in this, uh, you'll get the entire season. So like stuff like Thirty Rock and uh, House or entire season. This season available now. Whereas you know what we said next three or last three to five episodes are maybe on there for all the rest of us freebies. Um, as well as uh, a big a big library. They show a lot of stuff that's entire series, all nine mm-hmm. seasons of X Files, all nine seasons of Special Victims Unit. Uh, the Office, all six, all the heroes, all the Desperate Housewives, uh, Ally McBeal, randomly. Um, although I was looking at this list, and now I have the Netflix streaming. I'm already doing that on my Xbox. I have a Wii. You know, uh, uh, pretty soon it's going to be on the iPhone, iPad if I had one. Uh, and a lot of these seasons, there are these series that that I've sh- that I've seen on here on their list at least. We'll see, what, you know, what the final list looks like. Uh, are already available. On there, I'm already watching Arrested Development. I'm running through 24, you know. Uh, so I, I, I gotta say, you know, it seems like a direct competition for that. And I'd be interested to see what other content goes uh, above and beyond that. My, my personal viewpoint on this one is that it's not a, co- it's, it's going to be competition for the old stuff. Yeah. But I think it'll be a companion 
to Netflix. Okay. Where because Hulu gets the the episodes like a week later or even a couple of days later, versus Netflix, which has to wait for the DVD sets to come out before they can put them out. So I think Hulu and Netflix combined, and this actually happened. Uh, my girlfriend has an iPad. Uh, she got the Netflix app for it, which was one of her main reasons for wanting one. And um, she got rid of her cable. She doesn't have cable TV anymore. So she watches all her TV on Netflix on the iPad or the ABC app for the iPad. You add in Hulu, you now have pretty much any show that you really, that most of the shows that you would probably care to watch, and she's only paying 20 bucks a month for it, mm-hmm. versus paying 40 to Comcast or 40 or 50 to Verizon for Fios to get this sort of stuff. The only thing that stinks about that situation is for people like me. Because I enjoy live sports a great deal, exactly. and neither Netflix nor nor Hulu can provide me with that. Exactly. ES- ESPN has ESPN three, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. Uh, their their coverage of the World Cup has been top notch. Uh, I've been really impressed with what with what ESPN has done, and I think you could probably work out how to get live sports. But I want to be able to watch the sports on my forty seven inch TV in full HD. And not have to worry about, you know, my, my stream breaking down or the guy who's, you know, got this thing hooked up to his, you know, cable box, that thing breaking. I want to be able to watch it live and not have to worry about any of those things. Yeah. So to me, I'm still a TV subscriber, but maybe this is a little kick in the pants to the cable companies and the, and the TV companies. And they say, maybe we should offer a la carte services. It, it's like, definitely, uh, I, I, and I'm I'm another one that that cut the the cable for uh, several months. Uh, I think I went from about April last year until maybe November, and it was again like it was live sports. It's, it's Monday Night Raw is found nowhere on the internet, at least legally. Uh, whereas you know all the rest is the, the you know live football. You know you, you don't get the the Monday Night Football, some of the other sports stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it definitely, it, it's sweetening the deal. And if you, th- yeah, if you drop 20 bucks on the Hulu plus the Netflix, that covers most of your bases right there for sure. You know, I, you're, you're, like you're not going to gonna run out of content to watch at that point. I'd like to see a Comcast or a Verizon come out with the, okay, we'll give you internet and all of the sports channels for 20 or for 50 bucks a month. I'd do that in a heartbeat. You almost it need wouldn't that. even be a question. You almost need that. All right, guys, I want to talk about real quick our sponsor before we talk about what we've been waiting for and showing off our nice, shiny new iPhones on this show. Um, of course, our, uh, we're sponsored here by Audible, audible.com. You can get a free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash Media, of course. And uh, I'll pull up the right copy here for you, the listeners of the Awesome Cast podcast. Uh, we already like listening stuff with your ears. You probably hate words like we do, uh, you know, all, all of us over on the Wrestling Mayhem show do. Uh, so why not check it out? They're offering a free audiobook download, free 14-day trial, no risk. You can cancel, get out of that service, and you can check out, while you're there, all the free content, not just the book that you've selected. There's a lot of fun stuff that we keep discovering every day over there. Uh, I like to put a pick out. Uh, I actually just started this today, In Defense of Food by Michael Polan. Um, I actually heard of this from Alex Lindsay over on, on the Twit Network, which is where I've heard of a lot of my books, to be honest. Um, but it's, uh, it's a lot about uh, our, our bad habits in the stuff the industry's done. Uh, how most of the food we eat are not, is not food. And, uh, just getting into that, so maybe I'll be able to report back later. But if you've, uh, seen, like, some of the movies like Food Inc. or anything like that, or, uh, I know there was one about high fructose corn syrup. I think it was like Corn Kings or something. Uh, yeah, which, which King is, Corn. King Corn. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of those are on Netflix. I've been I've been ca- catching a lot of those documentaries. Uh, but this is in in that line. Uh, so check it out. In defense of food by Michael Pollan dot com. Everybody get the dot com dot triple X perhaps. Um, I had um, I'd actually read that book um, as an audio audio book mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago. Um, I read I've been through all of Michael Pollan's books except for the uh, there's an earlier one he did 
uh, it's did about he, plants. It's like the first one he did. Did he also do the the uh, omnivore's dilemma or something like that? Yeah, the omnivore's dilemma. The botany of desire is the one I haven't read yet. the The way the books go, I would actually personally, I would recommend the omnivore's dilemma um, over in defense of food because when you the uh, in defense of food is very short. It's um, I forget how many hours it is, but yeah, I know it was, it was that about seven, uh, it looked like. What was that? It's about seven. It looked like. Yeah, the omnivore's dilemma is like two to three times longer than that. Oh wow! The omnivore's dilemma is where the real meat of the story is, and I felt that uh, in defense of food came out more as his way of saying like, if you didn't understand what I said in the omnivore's dilemma, and you want some footnotes, here's a shorter, abridged version to give you, you know, the Reader's Digest version of how you should be leading your life, how you should be, you know, um, shopping. You know, don't eat anything your your grandmother wouldn't recognize, things like that. But in The Omnivore's Dilemma, it's a much more journalistic approach. Mm-hmm. It's completely, um, it takes him, he basically, his dilemma is that, um, you know, we want nutrients and science has told us this, um, but this is what's available in the uh, in the supermarkets and, and we have so much conflicting information and society has created this incredible dilemma of of the food that we get is not necessarily food and and all these this big huge mixture of questions that i can't really like describe or get into um but he goes through all the processes of of breaking down that dilemma as far as taking a look at what's actually contained in your fast food and then going into uh he goes to a corn farm he goes to a polyphase farm which is a uh, a sustainable farm and he talks with the farmers. He talks about the corn subsidies and why corn is the way it is, why corn is in everything that you eat, uh, why processed foods are bad, why uh, the um, the chemical mis- mixture that we came up with back in the 40s may have been the worst thing ever to happen to agriculture on this planet. And in the very end, he goes out hunting to catch his own food, to cap off the dilemma by eating a meal that he obtained entirely himself. And it's, uh, it's, I recommend it to everybody. Whether you care or not, you should read this book. <laughs> there you go. If it's free, hey, why not? It's audiblepodcast.com slash Sorgatron Media. Go check that out, please. Uh, yep. So it is show off time. I'll show off my 3GS running OS 4 that I've had for a couple of weeks. Um, but you guys got the spiffier thing going on. Well, first, did you guys have any trouble finally? Oh, wait, there's AJ's got his up. Go and stick that up there again. Uh, did you guys have any trouble acquiring your phones is the first question. Uh, Rob, uh, go ahead. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> I pre-ordered on the 15th with everybody else. Yeah. Um, and uh, gave them my money. Everything went through fine. Uh, but somehow my order, because there was, uh, if you ordered from Apple and you ended up in, in the flurry of of of, oh, God, where are our phones and who are they going to? Um, you know that there were actually, there's first shipment, which everybody got on the 24th, and then there's the secondary shipment, which people were told they weren't going to get until the middle of July. And somehow I ended up on that second shipment, even though up until about 1 o'clock in the morning on the 25th, when I went to Apple.com, it said ships delivers uh, June 24th, which was just really confusing. I felt like I was in limbo. And I'm like, like, you're not quite lying to me. And I waited for midnight to roll around just so I can say, okay, Apple, you're lying to me now. This is just mean. Just give me the news. Just tell me when it's going to come. That's all I wanted. Um, so around one o'clock is when they updated my ship time. Uh, and then it said I wasn't going to get it until the 30th. Um, but I did get a, uh, uh, tracking number from FedEx that my phone was on the, on the plane from, uh, Shenzhen. And uh, then it ended up arriving on Monday, and I got it early. I had to go to FedEx and pick it up. And uh, so now I, I have my, my new shiny iPhone. There it is. There it is. Uh, I went to Best Buy on the 15th, pre-ordered it. I was the first pre-order, and then they called me on the 23rd and said, hey, you've got first dibs on appointments. When do you want it? I said 8 a.m. Thursday, and I had it at 8 a.m. on Thursday. It was real simple. Um, like- <laughs> the funny part is... Um, when everybody was freaking out, I can't get to Apple. I can't get to Apple. I was telling people to go to Best Buy and no one listened to me. Everybody was like, no, no, no. I want to go to Apple. I want to go to Apple. Um, the last two iPhone launches, Best Buy's had it first day. And no one ever goes there. 
Um, mm. There was actually a line outside of the Best Buy I went to. I'm not going to tell you which one because I'm not giving up my secret because I have a really <laughs> slow Best Buy. Um, there was a line of six people. And they were really mad because they wouldn't, they weren't letting, they were letting the pre-orders in first, obviously, but they were sitting there waiting for, like, they only had one computer to actually do the activations. And so they were doing them like one at a time, but I think probably by noon, the entire line had cleared out. And, uh, I got in and they did mine. They swapped me over and then in the process screwed up the activation. I called up AT&T and AT&T went, Oh, hey, they didn't, they only did it like halfway through. Here you go. And they did it real quick and bam, I had my iPhone 4 activated and everything. And it was, it was really easy. And they accepted Best Buy gift cards. So I got my 32 gig for 225. Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I highly recommend going to Best Buy for these sorts of things. Uh, the iPad. Uh, I went the day the iPad came out, they had 50 on the shelf when they were flying off the shelves and there was a hundred people lined around the store at an Apple store. Um, the one I went to had like 50 iPads on the shelf and they were just selling them. Like it was a e-machines computer on the floor. That's amazing. Cause these are the same people that I looked for snow leopard, not even like at launch and they looked at me sideways. So, uh, <laughs> and, and really the one out here in South Hills is really sad. Their Apple section is a shelf with an iMac on it. Um, I think there's an Apple Care box by it. That's about it. Well, you mean the South Hills Village Best Buy? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like there's a table. I think there's a table. Yeah, there might be a table now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. and that one, another one. There's a giant Apple logo. It looks like it's at least the table looks like it's a mini Apple store. You know, that's the few, point. They wanted to put like machines. a little mini tiny no, Apple this store is, in there. This is the the uh, one I go to doesn't have any of those sorts of things. No, no, no. The one, the one I go to, it is like there's another wear Max over there. Go, look at it, you know, and and buy buy something better. Um, so so what what's the experience been like? I mean, you guys you guys switched, of course. I know Rob had the, had the Edge phone before. Uh, what 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 do you upgrade from, AJ? Uh, I actually upgraded from the. Um, 3GS. I actually got it at launch day a year ago, <laughs> and uh, I texted their little uh, update number, and um, got. Uh, they said, "Hey, for eighteen bucks, we'll upgrade you." And I went, uh, "Cool," and I did it. Awesome. So mine was actually. Uh, you you keep uh, changing which phone I had before. I forget where else right. I saw you mention it, but um, I actually upgraded from a 3G, not a 2G, 3G. which would be 3G. an Edge. I, and and not a, that, not a 3GS, which it's you said I had phone. like who, earlier today. <laughs> seriously, who has a 3G? Come on. What did I say earlier today? You said I had a 3GS earlier today, I think. I did? Okay. Yeah, somewhere you did. <laughs> I don't remember where. But um, my phone has seen uh, many hardships. I don't know if this will show up on camera. But if you take... This is my 3G. If you take a look at that dock connector, you see that? Yeah. That's pretty sweet, right? That's a, a combination of uh, epoxy... Primer, paint, dirt, uh, probably some water, a bit of corrosion. I've uh, I replaced the dock connector. I resoldered a new dock connector on here once already. Um, I've had to reconnect the home button three times. Um, needless to say, my new case for my new phone, when I'm at work, because I work in kind of a hazardous area, this little guy right here. See this? Yeah, it's a plastic bag, folks. Airtight. They'll do wonders. They'll do wonders. Uh, I actually, uh, when I went to Kennywood last year, I stuck I stuck my phone inside a sandwich bag and took pictures and video uh, there on YouTube of the Pittsburgh pl standing under the Pittsburgh plunge with a video camera. So nice. it works. It's, it's amazing what a sandwich bag will do for you, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so you were the one that was excited as 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 the photographer for what the camera and the screen can do. Uh, and, and since we've apparently have lost AJ for a moment, he has stepped away. Uh, so, uh, what, what, what do you think of it so far? Um, the camera is pretty sweet. I actually used it for the first time today. Uh, the mo one of the most impressive things that a lot of people are going to notice with it is that there, the delay when you take a picture is just about gone. It's something that a lot of point and shoot cameras have struggled with. It's something that's always a huge selling point for SLRs that when you pull the trigger, it fires, you know? Um, and so... Like, there's a very slight delay where it saves the picture, but you can kind of, like, hear how fast I'm shooting here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, autofocus, uh, video, 720p, 
autofocus in the video too, which is a new feature. Um, and it's really impressive. There is something that uh, I've seen reported a couple places, which I do agree with. There is uh, some oversaturation happening on the images that are displayed on the phone. It might be that the, the display itself is oversaturated, um, or it might be that they are just oversaturating the images in the library. Um, but it creates an illusion of quality. And I know this because when I look at the photos that I had taken when I merged my old photo library onto this, I look at photos that I had taken with my 3G, and it's not that they look better because of the better screen, but the colors pop. And it's it's not just a higher resolution. Like, as, as someone who works with images a lot, I can tell when I'm being fooled with, and I am definitely being fooled with. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's super good. The front-facing camera, as you'll see once we get AJ back, is actually pretty decent quality for uh, video calls. Um, uh, I am, I'm super happy with it, especially my 3G has taken a lot of hits, like I said. Uh, it's it's an old war-torn soldier limping with one leg. Um, it's it's seen much better days, and so like doing anything on my old phone is kind of miserable. Kind of takes a while. And you probably remember back in the day when you switched from like dial-up to broadband, and you realized that you had developed like these little twitches where you would occupy the time waiting for something. And then when you got broadband, you realized that you didn't have time for those twitches and suddenly you got everything done and then you had an awkward pause. And, uh, and I'm in that situation now. Like when I'm at work, like I'll have a pause or a minute to the side and I have my usual routine of check my email, uh, take a look at Twitter and run through. And that used to take nearly twice as long as it does now. Um, because the internet on the, um, the 3G speeds on the 4G, as you may have seen in some of the speed tests is impressively faster. The, uh, the increases they did to the way that it handles data is highly noticeable, and nearly all the delays on my phone are gone. I mean, this is um, wicked fast. When this thing gets on LTE, it's going to be on fire. Yeah, I've, I've really noticed. The main thing that I've noticed is the screen. Um, it, 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 the screen is night and day for me compared from the three, just from the 3GS a year ago to now is night and day. I almost, I looked at my, actually I have both here. Um, so I don't mean to brag, but there's both of them and they have the same screen, same background. They're both running iOS four. Um, but what I did, um, I, I, I actually restored my current image from my, um, from iPhone four and I did it onto my 3GS. So the, uh, I'm all over the place right now. Um, so that the icons were exactly the same. You can see the difference in the text. You can see the difference in the graphics. The screen is the killer feature on that device. Um, the camera on the back takes really, really, really nice pictures. And Rob, you're far more of a photography buff than I am. <laughs> Um, yeah. And by yeah, far, I mean, you are a photography buff and I am not. Um, but <laughs> it, they really seem to do a nice job on white balance and exposure and the flash on it. I showed you that last night. The flash is almost like a strobe light. I couldn't see for like five minutes. It's, it was rather ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yes, I don't know, Rob, do you want to, do you want to try a little FaceTime here? I, I think we can get a little FaceTime going here. You, okay. you want to call no. me? Yeah, I'll, I'll call you. Here we go. Here we go. So um, okay. I have Rob's contact information here. I won't show it because it's got your address, and I don't want Creeper showing up. <laughs> so I, hit, I hit the FaceTime button, and I hit your number. So it is now making a call oh. to well, my there friend it is. Rob here. There it is. Let me, let me uh, accept that call there. Ta-da-da. And oh. then magically, uh, <laughs> there's Rob's laptop, and there's me. And there's AJ. Look at that. There's a little action going on there. So I'll, uh... Oh. Oh, oh. oh so there's, there's Rob and Keller now. Oh, yeah, I'm in Keller. Up. You're in Keller now. <laughs> so there's there's uh, Rob. And then you can uh, actually flip it around to the rear camera. So it sees... Uh, it show. I'm showing Rob everything. Like, uh, there's my dog. Yeah, He's hanging out now. Like I said, canine special guest, Oscar. Um... He's happy. 
<laughs> and uh, but yeah, you can flip it around. There's just one little button flips around. The other thing that I really liked here was the um, the you can actually flick it, and the little picture goes down to the bottom or to the left or right, whatever corner it you look like you're flicking it to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, you can turn it you can turn it uh, to portrait or you can turn it to landscape mode. So I'm now yeah, seeing Rob in landscape mode. Uh, my camera flips the landscape mode. Um, <laughs> it is literally we Rob and I sat down and tried to figure out the magic of the device last night. Um, it pretty much seems like there's an activation process. You have to go turn it on, um, and it activates somehow. And what I'm guessing it does is that it takes your number and takes your um, information and puts it on Apple servers. So when you hit FaceTime and you hit their number, it knows what iPhone to go to. I'm pretty sure it's tying user accounts with phone numbers to the uh, UDID, which is the unique identifier of each device. I like to think it works somehow like Bump does. Yeah, kind of, sort of, except uh, you don't have to be in the same room. Yeah. (laughs) And you can, uh, the Wi-Fi on it, uh, you have to be on Wi-Fi. I did rather clumsily thinking, hey, maybe AT&T isn't a bunch of jerks. Um, I did try to do it on 3G last night to Rob. Uh, it didn't work. It just said, you're not on Wi-Fi. Sorry. So I'm guessing when jailbreak comes out, we're going to have 3G video calling. There we yes. Go. There we go. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think a very important point about the uh, about FaceTime, it was actually brought up by Patrick Bayhaus a couple days ago, is that um seems to be the... Uh, it kind of overlooked that this represents a foray into VoIP, like a very subtle slip into putting VoIP in a very easily digestible format on a highly consumed device on a big old, you know, national cellular network. The same people who have been arguing against things like Skype and VoIP because it cuts away from their income. Um they produced this thing, which is so incredibly easy to use. Like, it blows my mind. Like, I giggle every time I use FaceTime. As somebody who's tried to use video calling and things like that over the years, like, yes, you can do it on other phones. It's nothing new. Nokia has done it before. Uh, there are plenty of other devices that support that. But nobody has made it this incredibly simple. Two users, you don't have to sign up for anything besides the phone, and you're done. Turn it on, and you're good to go. It's literally one button away this is something that you could buy for your grandma you know and uh and and tell her like i was talking uh with aj last night and saying all you would have to do to get somebody to figure out how to video call is hand them the phone and say it's called facetime go ahead and call me give them five minutes and you'll have them on the phone without a hitch absolutely and it's that that ease of use that makes this like a dead silent killer I think that uh, that this this represents something very very big, uh, and I think it's a lot. It, it has a lot uh, uh, bigger implications than just um, you know chat roulette on the go. And, and you talk about the, how it's highly consumed. One point seven million people already uh, got these things over the weekend, uh, if the numbers can be believed. And uh, the applications people are already thinking about. Uh, Twit do, covering the live. Uh, launch on Thursday. They fi- they sat right there with somebody with with a new phone and and had one in the studio and had them hooked up via FaceTime and comparing it to Skype right there on the spot. So the journalism implications of this, the uh, apparently the phone sex implications, because we're already hearing yes. about uh, they're hiring uh, girls to do FaceTime uh, nine hundred calls more or less. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, especially if they do uh, keep up on their promise and actually open the API so uh, people like Skype can do it. I mean, it, it could get to the point where we're doing a show like this via via FaceTime. Yeah, I, yeah I definitely. Really, I, I think the hardware is fully capable of it. I mm-hmm. don't think that there's anything stopping Skype or uh, Quick or Ustream or um, any of these other uh, broadcasting, calling, communications type uh, uh, companies 
from doing this, but I think it's going to come down to what is AT&T and what is Verizon and what is Vodafone and O2 and Orange and T-Mobile and uh, Wind and all of these other carriers that carry the phone, uh, Rogers, those sorts of companies. What are they going to do when someone says, oh, hey, can I get that phone without a voice plan? I'm just going to Skype everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I really... I wonder about it. I really think that what's going to happen here is the uh, the carriers are either going to have to back down, figure out a way to make money off of it. I mean, I could honestly see jumping up to a $60 data plan and losing my voice plan if Skype became that easy to use or became that became you could do that with you could actually do VoIP. Proper VoIP. I mean, Skype obviously had the, the background VoIP demonstration at the at the iPhone OS release, or at least the announcement of it. Um, but I'm waiting for the carriers to have to back down or some sort of you know line in the sand to say, you know, okay, well we'll allow VoIP. That's okay. You're going to get charged sixty dollars for a data plan. Speaking if you don't of, want a, a mobile a voice plan, that's fine. Sixty dollars for data. How's that sound? Speaking of line in the sand, uh, I think. Rob, you were mentioning before the show, do we finally have a confirmation on maybe another carrier? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, hey, Verizon, uh, January, iPhone, Bloomberg, yeah, yeah. Uh, today, Bloomberg published their second story on uh, the iPhone coming to Verizon. This time they have two extremely credible sources, uh, not just, you know, this guy we know who knows a dude who's in the field who talked to somebody who happened to be in the same parking lot as this guy who works at Apple. Um, but actually two legitimate sources. This is combined with reports of, uh, heavy production, uh, already existing of phones that, iPhones that support, uh, Verizon's network, as well as, uh, I know there's a marketing firm that has been working on the marketing materials for the Verizon iPhone launch for well over six months at this point. So I'd say this is no longer just uh, a rumor and hearsay. I'd say there are enough pieces of the puzzle to fall together that January sounds pretty good. Uh, and I will be completely surprised if it doesn't show up in, in, uh, on Verizon in January. I'm waiting. The only thing I've, we've heard this thing false started so many times yeah. that I'm waiting for the CEO of Verizon to show up on stage with Steve and hold up whatever the device is, whether it's a, the same hardware just with a CDMA chip in it, or if it's a completely new device. And they say, here is the, uh, new iPhone coming to Verizon next week blah 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 or next month or whatever it is and i will not believe it until then right now at&t's got an exclusivity deal on it um obviously uh cdma and i don't know how much you guys know about this but cdma doesn't really exist outside of the u.s there's a couple carriers in the uk Um, right china has a couple too but cdma is not as nowhere near as big as gsm if Verizon is going to come out with an iPhone, it's going to be the LTE iPhone. And at that point, I'm going to spend a lot of money breaking my AT&T contract to get on that. Um, I mean, an absurd amount of money. I, I mean, really, there's like Scrooge McDuck pools of money that I'm going to spend to get out of my AT&T contract and into a Verizon contract on an LTE iPhone. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Excellent. Well, on that, we're, we're running out of time. We're actually running overtime here at this point. Uh, but, uh, AJ, thanks for coming on and showing off your iPhone. Uh, we, we look forward to having you on the show again in the future. So if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you on the internet? Um, I am on Twitter. I'm not cool enough nor smart enough to have a blog or a Tumblr or WordPress. But they or... can always FaceTime you now. You can FaceTime me if you know my phone number and have my contact information but no i'm actually i'm on uh twitter uh at uh aj in pgh um there's uh I, I do talk a lot of nerdy stuff on there uh that is my um account you can come talk to me uh and uh, i do this all day for a living so i kind of stay uh, uh, in touch with these topics and uh thanks for having me on the show no problem man hey rob what's going on with you these days the um, you know i always have to kind of think about this it's like when somebody asks you what you're doing this weekend you can't really like remember um 
Yeah, I'm actually, I was incredibly busy last week and I think my head almost exploded. I was up until uh, one o'clock in the morning on Sunday night finishing a website for a client, but I have nothing to do right now. I actually have a bunch of stuff to write for Macworld, but I'm relatively free. Aside from that, I exist <laughs> everywhere on the internet because I apparently am cooler and smarter than AJ. Just throwing that's, it out there. Uh, I'll, I'll put out smarter, certainly not cooler. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> But let, let, we can run down the list. I'm uh, I'm on the Twitters at robjdlc. I'm on the Tumblers at uh, shens s h e n s dot robjdlc dot com. I have a website that is robjdlc dot com. I have a Flickr page, uh, Flickr dot com slash robjdlc. You get it. If you look up robjdlc somewhere somehow, you will find me. Uh, it's actually rather funny. He's also a very trusted person because of uh, the, the length of his beard. <laughs> there you go. There you go. This is no Sidney Crosby, my friend. <laughs> Excellent. Billy Garen right there. And of course, you can find me, sorgatron.com, sor- uh, Twitter is sorgatron, and well, all that stuff's linked from there. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, on my blog this week, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I got a lot of topics I kind of half started last week, especially with this iPhone stuff. So uh, stay on there. Of course, check out all the shows that we're working on over at sorgatronmedia.com, and any projects coming up will be posted there. Uh, a lot of fun last week. We had a talk with uh, Butterbean, the boxer slash MMA guy that was in town last week. And uh, Sterling James Keenan there. And a lot of music over at Music Fun Time. Um, so that's what I'm working on that I can tell you about. Uh, so And, of course, AwesomeCast.com to join us. We have the delicious there with the links to all the stuff we talked about here, uh, story-related. Uh, we What was our email? Contact at? Yes. Contact at awesomecast.com for questions, comments, naked pictures, and concerns. Naked pictures? I'm in. <laughs> there you go. Uh, thanks again, AJ, Rob. A pleasure as always, and we'll see you guys next week for episode 6. You're getting awesome. You're getting awesome. That's what I said. Oh, hey, we're awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome.